what a stressful start to this podcast. It was a bumpy road. Why? We, we were supposed to start recording 20 minutes ago. Yeah. And nothing works. Everything is awful. I, yeah, mm. this is like a repeating, it's like a trope at this point. I mean, just again and again. But I'm so cranky, man. Like, I know. It, it's so hard well last to start. Night. It's been too hot oh. all day, and I've just spent 20 minutes trying to get microphones to work. And okay, well, I'm just done with it. Okay. How does that make <laughs> you feel? I don't know, but I hopefully I'll feel better after this podcast. It's going to be my therapy session. Okay. Uh, well, if you just need <laughs> me to ask questions while you talk, we can flip the script. I just, I just need you to do a podcast okay. with me drinking my non-alcoholic IPA. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll no. switch to a different service that um, just bundles us all together at some point. Yeah. Just take the stress out of it for you. I feel like there's one in uh, our tiny seed group of startups actually I was trying to kind of dance around that but <laughs> you're you're right and we should give it a try we should we'll do that next time promise okay very cool okay i'll take a deep breath mm. uh, hey matt hi peter how's it going it's going really well how are you I'm all right, thank you. Do you want to do a podcast? That's good, yes. I would (laughs) like to do a podcast with the uh, Android version of Peter. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. Okay. Um, Okay, so I actually thought I want to do a manager. I I thought we should do the maker-manager format. Um, Yeah. I feel like we always say that we're going to do that and then you sometimes do, but I, I never follow it. Um, oh. I think we should try to do it okay. this time. Um, All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good to you. Let's rock and roll. Um, I want Before we do that, I want to tell you something I did over the weekend. All right. I listened What'd to like over the four weekend? or five old out of beta episodes. Oh boy. That's tough. Yes. I'm, I can listen to last week's you know, or as it goes live, but going back, I um, I actually recommend it, dude. Yeah, I actually do. Um, so if you just want to listen to one episode, I I recommend you listen to (laughs) plans and purpose Q1 2020, which was recorded early January this year. Oh man. Where I mention the, the awful start I had to, um, the previous decade, which was 2010, and I, 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 you know, feeling pretty sure that 2020 <laughs> couldn't be any worse. Um, and I also in there say that I hope I didn't jinx it. <laughs> jinx the year. Jinx the decade. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, we learned something. Good job. Um, yeah. So it was actually really interesting listening to that episode. I, I don't know. I, I feel pretty good about some of the things I mentioned back there. But I, I kind of encourage you um you and maybe some of our diehard fans <laughs> to go back mm. and listen to that episode because I think it's a good way to keep yourself accountable. Um so definitely haven't you know done er- any everything I I said back then but like overall um I think 
I, I've kind of like had a good general idea about the direction I wanted to move in and kind of like also how things turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, two other episodes that I thought was interesting to listening to, to listen to was um, the one, basically the one after the Minneapolis retreat, at least for me, because I talk about the mastermind we had there. And then the one we did, um, the one we did in Croatia, because we talk about our mastermind um, that we did there. And those are kind of milestone moments a little bit. Hmm. Um, cool. I'll have yeah. to uh, dig those up. I mean, it's just pretty fascinating. And I thought about like how many people actually have like hours and hours of their own voice recorded about something like pretty significant in their life that they can go back and listen to, it's to amazing. basically understand like where they were, um, yeah, you know, at a specific point in time, like it's extremely valuable. It is actually, it's funny. That, um, reminds me of something that happened to me this week where, or was it last week? I was talking to somebody in the last seven days, I was talking to someone and I just went into my typical, yeah. So, you know, I'm the founder of summit and what summit is. And I got, you know, like a sentence or half a sentence into that. And like when I went to take a breath or like they interrupted me at some point. We're like, yeah, actually, I, I listened to the podcast, so um, you don't have to <laughs> tell me any of that. <laughs> and, and your date of birth. Uh, yeah, I know a lot about you already. Um, but it was amazing because, I mean, normally you have to do that every single time. You have to give that intro. Yeah. And so what's really cool is meeting people, usually via Twitter, um, and then finding out they're a listener and realizing, wow, we can skip a lot of background, and yeah. um, and the fact that they're talking to me tells me that they're, you know, they've also vetted quite a bit of yeah, of, yeah. Uh, what they what they've heard, and they still want to talk, so that's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, really same thing with Bjorn when he applied to work with me. He was a podcast listener. Just a lot of context that he already had. Yeah. Yep. It's very powerful. Um, You know, we don't have huge numbers still, but I always think, I mean, are you kidding? Like the number of people who take time out of their day to listen to us talk about these businesses each week is. It's kind of scary that it's kind of scary that 800 hours every week are wasted listening to us too. (laughs) Uh, Invested, invested. Now, whether or not the return is there is, uh, you know, I'm not sure how this works. Well, people had to do their dishes it. anyways. That's true. And what else were they going to do? If they live to, in so. a cab- cabin in the countryside yeah. without a dishwasher like I do. Yeah. Um funny aside, in one of the um one of the podcasts, I um I mentioned that Maya had started listening to Out of Beta because she missed me while I was on a trip, which which was really cute. Yeah. Um, but then she said the other day that her plan, um, you know, if I was at the office and our future son that will arrive anytime now. Um, if he was missing his dad, she would just put on the podcast. Oh. <laughs> and then <laughs> then we start talking about like one day he'll meet you and he'll he'll not know exactly why, but like there'll be something about your voice <laughs> that will make him very <laughs> calm. He's like, I feel like I know this person. That's incredible. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> wow. 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 Yeah. That's like it's like um honorary. You have to think about what you're saying. I, I know there's that too. It's like, <laughs> this is, um, wow. Okay. Well, the stakes got higher suddenly. Yep. <laughs> I actually listened to a podcast and the guy, um, that's doing the podcast. He always introduces, um, 
you know, the, like the purpose of the podcast is that he wants his son one day to listen to it. So he's like interviewing people who could be like inspirations to his mm. son, which I think is cool. That's cool. Yeah. They'll listen to me talk about work a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. They'll, he'll be like a CTO pro or something like that. Hmm. Yeah. That's... Learn a lot about fundraising, stuff like that. Yeah. 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 I hope we'll see. Yeah. Uh, well, I hope so, that I hope that he's not scarred by me is what I mean when I say that. <laughs> so, <laughs> or it's not scary. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. Do you want to do maker manager or maker maker manager manager? Whoa. Um let's go Let's go maker maker manager maker manager. Was that an option? Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's one person at a time. Yes. <laughs> well, actually, that's a good point. Like, maybe you want to try threading it? I'm, I was thinking it would be fun just to try something new. Let's go for it. Okay. So, okay. Maker I, first. I go first, Maker. All right. Go. Maker Peter. <laughs> um, I, this, so first of all, I've realized that if I want to code, if I want to code on this project, it's going to have to be on the weekends. During the week, it's just, that's just more and more. Uh, manager time um at least for my in my life right now um i think part of it is like i know that there's going to be like a massive disruption in my life very soon that'll halt all work for a couple of weeks um so it's hard for me um to sit down for a long amount of time and just focus on something right now because you know if i'm sitting at home um coding on something for six hours like in the back of my mind i keep thinking like if she goes into labor now those dirty dishes over there will be here when we come back from the hospital or like you know yeah. the the <laughs> the lawn will still be like super long or whatever um so i'm like in super nesting mode and like yeah so it's just really hard to do something for a long amount of time longer amount of time but then yeah also like my days yeah. are just a lot of like meetings and customer support and planning and just random things it feels like a lot of the time um but i've kind of like found some time in the past few weeks on like sunday afternoons and stuff like that that just to get some coding work done which has been fun so it's it's almost more like side projects uh, within the main project if you want to see it that way hmm. um so specifically this weekend i worked on tracking a bit which is something that is kind of a, a bottleneck right now because we want to do a little bit more like sort of traction testing and like try some channels to see like start to like, get a, an experience a better like feeling for like how we're going to acquire customers um and the problem is we haven't had a lot of tracking. So we use Fathom Analytics for our website, but it doesn't really, it's hard when you use a simple tool like that to know like w which sources people came from when they sign up. So okay. I was trying to find a solution to that. And um, Ruben shared, Ruben from BitSketch and DocSketch shared basically what he's been doing for like 10, 15 years. <laughs> Um, I think, which is basically you, you you drop whenever someone lands on the website, the landing page and 
the HTTP referrer, you drop that in a cookie and the campaign if you're like doing paid ads. And then you keep that cookie for like 30 days or something like that. And then when people sign up, if they have that cookie, you store that on the user and you send it to like segment and user list and, and all the tools you use. Hmm. So I wanted something like that. The The thing that's tricky is, you know, our website is, you know, a static site that's hosted on Vercel and our backend is, you know, our Laravel app. So like how, how do you get that all that to kind of like play together? And of course, like the easy way is to just use something like Mixpanel or something like that. I feel like there's a little bit overkill right now. Um, and also like, I just want to be, try to be mindful about like all these analytics and tracking tools, especially like Google analytics is something like I'm a little bit skeptical of. Sure. So it's just something I wanted to be aware of. Um, also like the, the startup that we share an office with is like basically a, a cookie notification and marketing consent startup, you know, so oh, they're giving me a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Kind of, kind of covering up your screen as they uh, walk by. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to like pretend that I'm doing like, completely ignorant about this um, when I hear these yeah. people all day. Yeah. Um, but your intent is uh, what, what's your, What's the reason that this matters to you right now? Um, it's just that, you know, I don't know. I just feel like with GDPR and like cookie notifications and stuff, like you have to explain to people why you, you know, share th certain data about them. And I just feel like like the kind of analytics where, you know, like literally every single move a user made is like a little bit creepy, like. For I sure. don't know. It just feels. What, so what I, yeah. what I really meant was like, why do, um, why the. So you're kind of carving out this time to work on these analytics, but I was wondering okay. within the context of branch, like why is this a priority? It was more that that's like, that's kind of like a bottleneck in terms of some of the like marketing activities that we want to like look at in a month or so. Okay. Um, so it's just something I knew that had to be done. And it's something that Bjorn doesn't have time to write, to do right now. And I had basically an idea about how to do it. And I heard Ruben talk about it. So I just wanted to play around with it. Cool. Um, and it was really like it was weird being in the code base because I, I just felt rusty. Like it's been so long since I've, you know, um, contributed anything to that code base. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, like several months. Like I think it was back when we were in Scotland, like three or four months ago, like the last time. So it was just weird. Um, but I ended up with a pretty cool solution, I think. So basically what I did is I, I created so the thing is you can create a cookie with a with a javascript snippet basically on the static side if you want it um so there's no like not really a security concern to these cookies because you know it's just analytics data it's not like you know lock-in cookies or anything like that session cookies um but with laravel you know they have a lot of helpers around cookies and they do encrypt encrypt the cookies and they hash them so you can't tamper with the data on the on the front end and change it that way so i don't know i just feel more confident writing cookies with laravel where i know it's handled in like a you know secure yeah right way basically mm -hmm. so i wanted to generate the cookie on the back end and you know make it easy to you know store this information if i had to um and i was trying to like figure out how to do that but the, basically what i came up with was what if I create like a basically an analytics endpoint on the back end that I load in an iframe on the front end, sort of like the Facebook like button? 
So hmm. that's basically what I did. Then, you know, I ran into all sorts of problems with um, X frame options and stuff like that in the browser where you have to make sure that it's allowed, that you're allowed to embed this page in an iframe, like with the web server settings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But finally it worked. And it, I feel like it's actually a pretty good way to do things because now we're completely in control. And yeah, that's nice. For 30 days, like we keep the, that information in a cookie about yeah. the landing page yeah. and the HTTP refer. And then if they sign up within, you know, while they have that cookie, um, it's persisted on the user and we get to see it in user list in our, you know, dashboard where we can see all the user information so it actually works really nice um Hmm. and then now i found out like because we need to do more we need to do some i want to do some more tracking on the website as well um and i want to you know send some data to segment but i prefer not to do that on the front end because then it gets more complicated with like ad bloggers and stuff like that but because we're using this iframe now everything goes through the back end. So I don't know, it might bite me in the tail at one point or like I, there might be something I've misunderstood, but it looks like it's working right now and it got released yesterday, I think. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's just been, it was just an interesting you know, thing to be back in the code and try to like solve like a pretty hard problem. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. I, um, I remember suggesting that you look at, a solution for this but it sounds like it was just a pragmatic you know day or two to get something done that's gonna yeah yeah it was the kind of thing where it felt like it would also take a long time to try to like learn something like mix panel or understand what it's actually doing or if it's collecting the right data and potentially mm-hmm. be quite expensive and like yeah and so this is really like attribution is the yeah is the thing you're trying to solve for right yeah um, Okay. Yeah, we want to be able to know like what's working and what's not. Like especially what's important is like you know, if someone signs up um if someone signs up and we don't have a lot of information about them like it's relevant to us if they came from the WP engine guide on our website for example. Right, right. Cuz you you've invested a fair amount at this point in content. Exactly. And it feels like we're flying blind a little bit. Um Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, cool. yeah, that was like my maker update, I guess. Uh, it felt good to get that out. Nice, man. Nice, man. Uh, does that mean it's my turn on the maker side? Yes. We're going to, it's your maker time now. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, the last, last week, uh, on the maker side. Um, so that's been interesting. I, I mean, it's easier to start kind of where with where I am today. Um, so right now I am trying to finish a template and in summit templates are the things that you can use to fill out. You can basically fill them out and it creates events and I'm trying to create one. Um, it works. I've got a, I've got a, a unit test for it. Um, and it works, but right now I'm trying to create it in the front end, but the idea is it's a marketing budget template. And so mm-hmm. you can say, um, as a percentage of revenue, you know, we want to uh, assume that we're going to spend 30% of our revenue each month on marketing, right? Yeah. And what's uh, powerful about this is that, you know, what I have currently is kind of these marketing channels, which says, hey, how many ad impression, 
how many ad impressions are you going to get? Right. And then what's the cost per click? What's the click through rate? What's the cost per click? And then out of those folks that you get to come to your site through LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever it is, uh, or Google, you know, what's, what are the subscription plans that they sign up for? And that was working. That was a fine, like kind of little, almost like a, Hey, we're testing channels phase. So if you don't really know it works, right, you're, you're testing different things. You're going to do a marketing campaign here and another campaign there, but that's not, that's certainly not the level at which a more mature business operates when it comes to marketing spend. You know, you're right. not think you know, the CFO or the CEO um, or really anybody VP level and up is not thinking about individual campaigns. Usually it's, you know, what's our marketing budget, which is some percentage of the overall, you know, um, budget, business budget. So yeah. usually it's reflected of revenue. So you're like 10, 20, 30% of our revenue we're going to spend on marketing or reinvest in marketing. And so that's one thing. So I didn't have that captured anywhere. And then the other thing you want to do is you're really just thinking, you know, we've got Facebook, we've got LinkedIn. Actually, let's not mix those two because usually you don't have both. But let's say you've got LinkedIn and Google, you know, usually and, and conferences or something. Usually you're flowing some percentage of your budget towards those channels on any given month. And so maybe you're like, hey, we're going to spend 30% of our marketing budget on or 30% of our revenue on marketing. And we're going to give half of that to LinkedIn and half of that to Google, right, on any given mm. month. And so there's a flow there, like a cascade of money that goes yeah. from the budget to the channels. And then within those channels, of course, you do have a, yeah, here's how much it costs us. If you blend all of our Facebook campaigns or LinkedIn campaigns together, we typically spend you know $78 on average to bring in a new customer through LinkedIn, right? And so you've got a CAC with that yeah. specific channel. So I didn't support that before. And that was a repeated piece of feedback, especially as I've been working with um, some modeling experts to, to become power users of the software. Um, mm-hmm. They have told me, hey, I'm really used to setting a marketing budget as a percentage of revenue. And they do okay. this. And I'm like, okay. So it was an interesting learning. And I uh, started- It's an awesome that. learning. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. And that came through you're another- Building expert knowledge into the tool. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's basically a, hey, once you figure out a, a channel, once you validate that something works on a campaign basis, what are you going to do? You're going to operationalize it by saying, we're just going to pre-commit this percentage of our budget to these channels. And then the decisions really become at a higher level, really turning the, the knobs and dials on those channels and saying, we're going to invest you know more in Google during the holidays than we do in LinkedIn because people aren't checking LinkedIn as much or something like, like whatever that strategy is, the strategy yeah. unfolds, the strategy unfolds at a higher level than campaigns. So I got that feedback mm-hmm. from, you know, experts as well as some users that are at larger companies. Um, so I started building that yesterday and uh, finished it this morning. That's and so cool. Yeah. I finished it this morning and now I'm, um, so it's funny, the, the, the test that I wrote to sort of make sure that the core supports it, the test that I wrote is really a, um, a custom event. And what I mean is I'm like hard coding values and saying, let's assume that we're going to flow 30% of revenue to, uh, you know, a marketing channel. And it's at this marketing channel and this is the CAC. And yeah. so we should see two new customers come through 
if we do this, right? And so it's this cascade. And so I test that. And um, that's step one, right? Is like, the it works, right? But the next step is, I now need to create a template that allows mortal users <laughs> to <laughs> create those kinds of events using the front end, obviously the front end that Summit has. So, um, so that's what I'm working on now. And the reason I break that apart is the next thing I want to get into on the maker side is um, I'm, I'm doubling down on the language and really I'm going to, I'm going to make it possible to write these custom events as an end user so that that's so cool yeah so even if it's not a template yet you can say look i don't i don't need a drop down for it i just need to be able to set you know give me some way of saying this expense is this percentage of this other expense and i want to flow that money to these things and hit save right so that's kind of like the equivalent of a macro in excel where you can just sort of go into the hood and write your own custom event independent of what Mm. ui supports then the next thing is you know being able to let enabling users who have say accounting knowledge or industry expertise or clients or they're internal at a very large company to even write a template that says hey i don't know what you know um diane you know is going to want in this other department in terms of what her values are going to be for this but i want to enable her to do this so let me create the template piece and save that. And that's basically a plugin, right? And I'm really, really excited about this because I think I did, I did have the launch in early July. I'm now at 10 paying customers, which was a really big deal. Congrats. I on Twitter. That's yeah. really exciting. Yeah. And you know, out of the first 10, there's always like, it's a bit of a soup, you know, it's a smorgasbord, if you will, like, yeah. um, uh, of, of like, eh, not quite my ideal customer, my ideal customer, you know, there's a little bit of that, but still, there's 10 and there's enough of them where like some of them were just completely self-service. You know, they don't have, I I don't have any connection to them. They just basically, you know, came to the site and signed up independent of me. So like, I feel really good right now. And I think I'm at the point where I'm ready to double down on what's working. And I'll say that for the manager update, but back to, (laughs) sorry for this, but but on the maker side, let's just finish that. Going to finish this. And I, I'm really hoping that this is like, and, and this will be a good segue to the to the manager. So I'll, I'll pause here. But like, I'm really hoping that this is kind of the. <laughs> this might be the last one of these I write myself, using the tools that I've got. Now I might use my own additional sort of tools that I build, right, to make additional ones. Like I don't think mm-hmm. Summit as a company is done, but right now, like just to give folks an idea, like I'm doing some pretty meta programming, <laughs> like some pretty, I feel like I'm writing, meta might be the wrong, wrong approach here. It's not powerful, right? I'm, I'm kind higher of, level. I, I want to write higher level right now in order to do these things. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of doing the assembly, if you will, right? Okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm writing the very low level code in order to, in, to create these things. And you're writing the C parser. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, you know, I'm writing this assembly that basically says like, add these values subtract these values um and and and, you know put this here in this memory address and like that's just not scalable right and yeah i so i have a choice like do i teach others to do that anyway that's the manager thing again but i don't want to do this maker i don't want to make at this level anymore but Mm. i'm really excited to do this last one we'll see if this last one (laughs) famous last words 
but <clears throat> this is going to be a really powerful one because I do think it's going to be very, um, very valuable for the people that use it. Um, but that's, that's the maker side this week. Um, and yeah, man, it's, it's pretty exciting to think about it. I think it is, it is. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I'm going to try to get that out. Today's probably not realistic to, I'll be able to test it locally today and make sure the template, the, the plugin, if you will, works um, locally, probably migrate it tomorrow and uh, start using it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I shared something with you on the manager site earlier and your response were, was that you had thoughts and um, obviously because we we're going to record the podcast today, it made sense for us to you know take that one to the podcast instead of slack um so let's do that and let let me try to basically summarize my thinking yeah <laughs> um let's see how it goes um but basically there's something that's been kind of like brewing in my mind over the last week or so um it, actually before that but it's been like more concretized and especially since, you know, I listened to those old out of beta episodes, especially the ones around the new year where I talked about basically the content strategy and the guides and stuff I wanted to um, build. And I think the interesting part there was that those guides were never meant as just, you know, content marketing. And they were never meant as just like, we got to crank these guides out and then, you know, throw some paid ads at them and like build up some traffic, like the you know the old content marketing playbook but more like it's part of the product and having really good guides and tutorials for each of the hosting companies we support and just a tool in general um has like really big strategic value and especially the hosting company guides because they're a way to test they're basically a way to test a, a niche in the market like for example a specific hosting company's customer base or even a niche within their customer base and their way a, a way to approach the hosting company and basically you know put in some work into the relationship um, and they're a way to test basically the willingness of the hosting company to work with us on a partnership level because you know if we write a 2000 word guide and they don't even care and they don't even share it on social media like they're probably never going to be a really good hosting company partner. Right. Um, so that's just to say like the guides are something that has in my mind, really big strategic value. And I think when you have a, a, a product like Brange, which is um, doing some, a lot of new things and it's, there's just a lot of ed education to that. And that's been, been my, something I've told people when I do demos and when I do calls and stuff that, like one of my hopes from the beginning and also something I blocked about in the early days of Brange is that I hope it's also like an inspirational and learning tool as well. And I hope like it, it it's, you know, making stuff like CICD available to someone to whom it weren't really that accessible before they had a tool like Brange because it was too complicated and too hard to figure out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's basically just <laughs> some content, right? or yeah. some context, sorry. Yep. Yep. Um, so basically, you know, listen to the podcast. I thought about back um, in early this year when I uh, brought on Bjorn and, 
you know, the months before that. And basically the problem back then was that I had created the MVP for the product. You know, I've, I, I've, you know, I took it so far, um, that basically I could prove some basics, basic stuff that some basic things were working and, you know, the, the underlying stuff was there and it's, it's still the same today, like the way builds work and deployments work and stuff like that. But I had so many ideas and like a, a vision for where I wanted to take the product, but like months after month, I, you know, I added these things like that I wanted to work on to my to-do list. But, you know, in the day-to-day, I ended up, you know, just doing like, you know, random day-to-day things. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it just became clear to me that I needed someone to really like, you know, own the product and build an amazing product. And, you know, that really worked out. <laughs> Um, and in December I tweeted out about like the tech stack and if someone was interested in working with me and, you know, that tweet got like more than 70,000 impressions and, you know, I don't remember hundred, 150, um, DMS from people who wanted to work with me. Wow. That was really successful. Um, and it worked out really well. And actually last week, Bjorn and I moved into our new office, which is amazing. And, you know, we're so productive and it's, it's really exciting actually. What I started to realize is that I feel like I'm actually the same place where I was with the product. That's kind of like where I feel like I am with the guides and our like educational slash inspirational content right now. I feel like it's neglected. I feel like I created an MVP that's good. And it's enough that we were basically able to confirm that it is very valuable to have stuff like this. Um, but when I'm honest with myself, like I'm not creating screencasts every week. I'm not, you know, updating the guides on a, you know, day to day or weekly basis. And I'm not like, you know, I'm not doing all this stuff that I want to do. And I have a gazillion ideas for like really cool things we could do to move that part forward. And it's not so much, it's not so much an acquisition thing. It's more an activation thing. Actually, it's just like, about improving the overall experience that someone has when they kind of like enter the branch universe. Mm-hmm. And it, it's like one of the th- these things where it's like, the more I improve this, the, the more confident I am that this will become really big one day because it's just going to be so amazing. <laughs> um, yeah. So I started to think that maybe... I need to start thinking about how to uh, how do I find basically the Bjorn of our like education slash inspirational content strategy, which is like, you know, screencasts and content in general, like guides and stuff like that. Um, someone who can really like, you know, show up and have a lot of energy and like who's really like, you know, out facing or yeah, I don't know exactly what the word I'm looking for is. Um that's something I started to think about a lot. Kind of like a side note to that is something I've been talking to Maya, my wife, um, who for context is Afro-American, is that, you know, so far branch is two people, two white dudes. And I would really love that the next person we bring on is not a white dude. Um, and it's not because there's anything wrong with white dudes. It's just that, you know, the more white dudes you have, the harder it becomes to have a more diverse company later on so it's just something i want to be aware of yeah and then like a kind of like interesting conversation we had you know just over the dinner table one day was basically 
in my mind, I have this kind of like, like in my mind, I knew that the next high I would probably be a marketing person. And then when I thought about it, it was like, it just felt annoying to me and that it's like, so I want to have a more diverse team. So like, for example, hopefully, um, like ideally I don't want the next person I hire to be a dude, but then it's like, then you have the two programmers in the company and that they are dudes and then you hire a woman and that, so she can do like the marketing stuff or whatever, you know, that just felt annoying to me that it's like, mm. that's not, you know, the, the signal I wanted to send. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we had an interesting conversation about this. Um, but then actually like when I think about it more, I actually feel like with the kind of role I'm thinking, it actually would maybe be a good opportunity to, you know, for, for a role that's more public facing, like it actually would be nice opportunity to, you know, not have the face of branch necessarily just be my face, but True. be someone who maybe looks different than me. And maybe like that would just in, you know, in general, like encourage a more diverse um, culture or like, you know, more like diverse group of people to find branch interesting in general. Um, yeah. So I guess that's just a, kind of like a side note that I was thinking about, but it just feels like it's just interesting because I'm kind of like making this higher in my mind already. And I'm starting to think like, I want someone who's like able to work on this content. I want someone who's technical, but I also want someone with that kind of like no code mentality to like basically figure out smart ways that we can put the guides together and like have them be more scalable the way we built them out and stuff like that and have them be more dynamic. Um, I know I'm just talking now, but I just wanted to kind of like get the whole thing out. Um, like one thing we talked about today was that like, imagine if the guide was completely dynamic. So actually you built out your pipeline with the different tools you need in the guide and you get a, a like a 2000 word written tutorial for like how to do exactly your project based on what's in your Git repository. Like, okay, you're using Composer, you're using NPM, you're deploying to WP Engine, you run a run Lighthouse. Okay, here's your customized guide for how to do that. And also here's a screencast, like someone who could like, you know, who thought it would be fun to work on something like that. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. So basically... Like I'm, 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 you know, I'm thinking about this person in my head. I'm like, I already started to like hire this person and at least think about how to hire this person. And I want to say like, we don't really have money to do this right now. And I don't have any specific people in mind, but it's just been like an interesting journey, like over the last week or so to basically hire like a theoretical or fictive persona in my mind. And it feels like I'm company building in a way or in a sense, um, but it's all like, I don't know. Yeah, I talked a lot, but I want to hear your thoughts. Does it make <laughs> sense, any of what I just said? Yeah, no, it, it makes a ton of sense. Um, I think just the, you know, the, the feedback or questions that I had was just, and I think you actually answered part of them here, hearing a lot more about it than just the slack of what really is the, what, you know, what's the, is this work gets used a lot, but like, what's the leverage point in this hire, right? Mm -hmm. Is it, you know, there's a lot of like, Hey, churn out content. And that just feels like a, 
just kind of a stone to grind and it doesn't yeah i don't want to hire a writer for example yeah 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 i I want to hire an awesome person who's like super inspiring sure and writer writing is a skill um, yeah and i'm sure they'll have that but this is like it's not just again grinding out content and like getting yet another blog post written and yet another you know how many blog posts have you written this this month and and that sort of thing because you know that's very um you still then have to do a lot of management, right? Or, or, yeah, uh, I don't, yeah. ownership of that. I, I want to do a vision. Yeah. I want to do like management like that. So, exactly. And so, this, you know, sharing with this person the problem that you're hiring them to solve and saying, you solve it, here's some ideas, right? Um, that's, that's the killer feature of an early hire is that ability mm-hmm. to delegate the problems not just the delegate coming up with the solutions not just prescribing solutions because i think i see that a lot especially when folks aren't thinking about company building it's yeah i really wish i had the time to do x therefore let me go hire somebody to do x and i think it's way better if you can find somebody to hire up and say i know that i know that you know x I know that actually X prime is a problem. (laughs) Yeah. I just need somebody to solve that. And frankly, if they're really, really good, if they're better than you, they don't need your solution, right? In fact, they don't want a prescription. They're going to tell you that the way you're thinking about solving that problem is actually not the best way to solve it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Or like actually don't need to solve that one. Like you actually just need to solve this or yeah, here's actually the right way to go. You know, here's this problem you really should solve, which is even better. So I think I just had questions around, you know, the, uh, the little blinking light around content marketing and writing. That's like, like I know that was going off. Yeah. I think what you're describing is a lot more of a, I mean, it is kind of an engineering role in in a sense. Yeah. That's the thing, but that's kind of like why I think like in my mind, like I'm kind of like, I'm tempted to go look in the no code community because I think they have this startup tech pragmatic kind of like mentality that I might be looking for. Yep. And there's a lot of like, you know, course making inspirational people in that community. And I think it's the same in the WordPress and something I've been saying basically for a while is WordPress is the original no code thing, Mm. at least on the internet. Um, Yeah, that's good. Um, cool. So why do you think your yeah. mindset has, uh, I think what's maybe even more interesting is that you're, you're feeling confident that this would be a good investment. Yeah. I think it's a combination of reminding myself about like why I wanted to make them in the beginning and basically, um, so like, and the reason I wanted to make them in the beginning is because I generally, genuinely think that when you go to branchci.com slash learn everything on that page is basically a product as well. And it's, it's not maybe as important as the branch product, but it's almost as important or at least it could be, it could have, you know, it could be very significant if it was treated like it was a very important product, which is not right now. Um, So that's the one thing. The other thing is like, I'm just, getting more and more confident that we're nailing down product user fit. Like the kind of like support questions we get now, or just in general, the questions we get now confirms that we're moving closer towards having the right tool for those people that we're going after. 
Um, yeah. And we're really, we're really like Bjorn is in the middle of doing some pretty serious open heart surgery right now that I think is like, you know, the, the final like cornerstone <laughs> um, to this whole, like finding product user fit. Um, and, hmm. and then I'm, I'm basically, I guess something I'm thinking a lot about these days is basically how you, like how to do a startup at all. Like basically, you know, the, the way you, you build a startup and, and want to like, at least where I feel like I'm at right now is some place where it's like, you try to find this product user fit and you're trying to go from product user fit to product market fit, which I think is hard. And kind of like the way I think about it is combining the whole like idea of product user fit and the A16C article that we've talked about many times and combining that with a book, maybe like the traction book uh, with, you know, testing different traction channels and their bullseye framework and basically iterating between like product development, nailing down product features and then combining that with testing that with um, with different audiences and 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 different traction channels and kind of like iterating your way towards product market fit in a sense. Um, so I just feel like it's it very soon in like maybe six weeks or something like that. It I'm gonna really want to like start to work on those acquisition channels um, and not only the activation <laughs> channels because I feel like we're nailing down what we need there and we want more people so we can, we can start to scale that up. Um, that and sense. I think that's going to like, I think that's going to correlate when, when, with, when we have not only 10 customers, but 10 of our ideal customer profile customers. And that's probably going to yeah. be the time where we want to like scale it up. Yeah. That's, um, that's, I, I think this person is going to be key. Yeah, they'll be key to attracting those prospects that are going to be among that 10, right? Think and Corey Haynes at Bear Metrics, and I think he was hired as head of growth, but in the beginning, he was writing all the blog posts and doing all the podcasts and stuff like that. But I think now he's like hiring people to do that. Yeah, um, absolutely. So it's a slightly and, different role, but it's like mm -hmm. this per person needs to be able to write now, but like, Hopefully, like later on, they'll run a team of people who are doing that. Yeah, and actually, I would I'd flip it just a little bit as you think about it and say, is this person already capable of running a team? Yeah. And even though they're capable, are they willing to do it themselves to start? Because we don't yeah. have the resources to hire a team. Like that to me, because you can't, it's going to be really hard to teach, you know, leadership skills and management to somebody that's yeah. more junior. But if you can find somebody that is, what are you selling them? It's not the job. Uh, You're selling them I the think, opportunity to be employee number, you know, two <laughs> or three, however you want to number yeah. at like at a, what's going to be a huge success. And so the, the yeah. entry price for that is the willingness to do the grunt work yeah. in the early days without a team. I'm actually getting convinced that basically someone who has like, create been creating courses for you know you know educational stuff and you know teaching stuff online would probably be a good candidate for this because they're showing that they they can grind out the hard work but they also have mentorship skills and they care about teaching other people and i think that that that's probably key to a role like this yeah and i should take back a little bit what i said 
by saying employee. They could start out as a contractor. You know, that sort of doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. just that especially because we don't on, have a lot of money. <laughs> sure, but they're focused on branch. You know, as yeah. the as the benefactor. Yeah. 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 And I mentioned this to Bjorn today, and and we talked about like why we thought maybe it was important for a company like Branch to have that, you know, educational uh, leg basically. Um, and he immediately brought up Adam and Steve and like how much success they've had with like, you know, teaching and building an audience like that. Um, and I'm not saying we're going to be able to do the same thing they're doing, but I think they're a testament to like, you know, sharing knowledge and, and having really great content is yeah a good thing. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you're productizing expertise and yeah, you know, yeah. So while like in the middle of all the distractions that's going to happen in the next, you know, couple of weeks, um, it basically in the next six weeks, it's one of the things that I want to do is try to basically figure out how, like where, where do I need to look and what are the, you know, what are the words, the, maybe the buzzwords or like, you know, the, basically what do I need before I can make the same tweet that I did, you know, to hire a developer, basically how can I craft the perfect tweet to find this person or like the equivalent of the perfect tweet? Do you know, like I kind of like need to understand like where I'm looking and what I'm looking for and like how to talk to a person like that. Yeah. I think like the tweet is the condensed, condensed and distilled version of, of, it the the first thing is what's the expanded you know sloppy version that yeah. just it makes sense to you but maybe nobody else and then you just refine it refine it refine it but like one thing i would recommend is you know give this give this person goals like okrs yeah. and a definition mm-hmm. of success before mm-hmm. you ever do that and say success at 3 months looks like this success at yeah. 6 months looks like this success at 2 years looks like this what is that right because yeah. you, you actually need to look at multiple time horizons as well because the, the number mm-hmm. one <laughs> something very painful is when someone can't grow into yeah what you actually had in that's mind true because they thought hey man i thought you were hiring you know uh for this capability this capacity if you will and yeah now actually like there's no place for me because i can't manage or I can't do this work, or I can't take on more. And so, yeah, just think about it as like an evolving role as well. And yeah. what, you know, what does this person do? And I think you already hinted at it. Like, what is this person doing in two years? Like, where are they in the organization? Yeah, two years? I mean, you know where you want, yeah. kind of know where you want to be. And I think that's true of all early stage hires is, you know, it's so easy to just get somebody that solves today's problem, but you're actually looking for somebody that's going to, ideally keep up with the needs of the organization which are actually multiplying right yeah and i think i can actually like when i brainstorm this i think i can actually basically draw a line or like a model over what it looks like theoretically in my mind to move from product user fit to product market fit and kind of like you know growing acquisition channels and testing acquisition channels and stuff like that and basically try to place this person into that model and kind of like visualize (laughs) what it looks like yeah i mean one Um, one way to think about is like does somebody end up coming in over them yeah probably 
who is that? Yeah. Right. And why did that happen? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, they, you know, this person's job is to find channels, establish them, and then hand them off to somebody else. Yeah. This person's job is to actually find them, manage them, and run them. Well, in that case, who's yeah. going to do the next one? Right. So, what are the siblings yeah. of this person, the peers in the org chart? And like who's above and yeah. who's below? Because today, all that's all those uh, all that's theoretical, right? So you kind of have to start drawing yeah. your, your chart. But that's um, it's exciting that you feel confident to you know let yourself yeah. go down that path. That's that's good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I took a long time now, but I feel like I planted the seed at least. So now Great. it's now it's brewing. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, it's yeah. germinating. Cool. Well, well, let's let's hear you. Sorry for taking so long. <laughs> <laughs> no, no problem. Um, I, yeah, on the on the manager side. So, um, I actually meant to mention this in uh, under the maker side, but I'll I'll, I'll make it managerial. Um, we <laughs> we released a new onboarding flow in the last week. Um, dramatically, we ch- yeah. Well, I have to be the managerial thing here, right? That's the this the manager <laughs> thing. So. <laughs> I hired royal, this guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the royal we. Um, the reason I mentioned that is that uh, that was big because the product felt broken to me still in a way where the first user experience was, you know, I observed that the first user experience, people were not activating the way I wanted to. They're coming up to connecting mm-hmm. your metrics. Some of them would do that. Some of them wouldn't. They would skip ahead to modeling and then just a lot of people would stop. And I... Yeah dramatically changed the product where you actually come in and you don't hit a connect your metrics page anymore. You hit the onboarding flow that says, what kind of business do you have? Click a pre-built model that you can choose from. Yeah. Um, Are you an early stage SaaS company? Are you sales driven? Are you self-service, right? It's also later stage. You can click one, you can do custom. It, It just feels great. And the reason I'm trying to weave this into the manager piece is I feel like with things like that coming together and the 10 customers, um, I mentioned one other thing that I did. I found a part-time, part-time developer. And I mentioned this on the last podcast or episode, I believe, but yeah, um, found a very part-time developer. I have to say, man, he killed it. <laughs> in the, He sounds incredible. <laughs> incredible. Um, you know, got things on, like I, I've got, I have a view Django front-end stack um, and he just, you know, brought in all the good stuff. Let's put it that way. And and the the strategic objective of me bringing him on was not for him to do that work necessarily, although that's nice. But like, I personally probably won't be the primary benefactor of that work. The mm. beneficiaries of his work are the next end developers. They're going to be able to come that's into the summit and step into a harness that makes sense to them. Right. So I was looking for somebody. Yeah, that's an interesting thought. Right. Right. I was looking for somebody who could come in and say, because honestly, what what has he actually done? He's made the stack more foreign to me. Like he's made it harder for me to contribute. (laughs) But that was a necessary trade off to have it easier for him and others to contribute, um, which is scale. Yeah. Right. Um, So I don't know why, but it's almost like, I don't know. It's like someone like asking a friend to like help them with their dating profile or something like that. I don't know why it's reminding me of that. Funny. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I'm sure I could, I'll, I'll think of a metaphor at some point. Because like, it's going to yeah. be more appealing to work on Summit because like mm-hmm. the way it's set up now is done by someone who's like a pro. Yes. You know, at this stuff and who understands, like yep. you've told him this, so he understands like this needs to look like basically what you're saying is, you know, I care about this, but I don't care that much. I know that I sh- maybe should care more. I know that, you know, some people want this to be like really sexy and cool, but like, I don't really get why, but like, I know that it's important to them, but like, can you make that happen? Well, yeah, I like to lay it out really quick, you know, it didn't actually matter to the first 10 customers, right? No, it, it, I did not need to, I did not need to become as proficient as he is at modern web development techniques and and what am I trying to say? The uh, the setup, you know, the the harness, if you will. I didn't need that to get to where I am. But a lot of it is preferences. It's like it yeah. works either way. It does work either way. But the thing is, I don't expect other people. The way that I'm working and the way I worked it so far is very unusual, and it's not normal for a current. You know, it's not normal to expect a developer to come in and like enjoy working that way. And and that said, it's mm. also prone to bugs it's prone to errors it's just not a good sort of architecture in that sense to have a, a giant javascript you know file and to not yeah, be doing these things you know it, it's not the right way to do it it doesn't set it up for for testing you know if we want to use um you know something like jest in the future whatever like it's just it wasn't ready for that so what's exciting is you know he proved to be a very um excellent translator for you know sort of taking what I had done and turning it into some, into a modern architecture layout. It's really not, it's not much more sophisticated than that. Right. But, but that's great because that means that I can hire others. But then I had this thought of like, okay, cool. So he's super productive, kind of blown away. It's great. Um, so that's working out. The next thing I asked him to do is, you know, I would like to take and turn this into as many, you know, the proper number of view components because I currently mm. have, like one massive component for the modeling section. And it works because it works, right? It's actually, you don't have to worry about status much. You don't have to worry about, you know, a lot of, I didn't have to learn view like an expert, right? But but he yeah. is a view expert, um, kind of like Bjorn. And I would expect to hire other experts. So what I basically told him next is, you know, I don't expect you to give me a price to, to transform this into a properly componentized you know structure but could i pay you (laughs) to spend a day or two to scope that out basically yeah and tell me what it's going to take to get there right and and how much time etc and what's nice about that is that he doesn't have to you know he doesn't have to bet on his ability to like just guess at the scope which is not fair yeah right and i also don't have to be exposed to this really big risk that it's not done on time and on budget. So what I'm actually doing is, you know, kind of going back to the six week <laughs> base camp methodology is I'm paying him to do the design phase and saying, take okay, some time, yeah. take some time, do that phase, figure out the clear path to get to where we want to go. I'll pay you for that. And worst case scenario, which is not a terrible thing, not catastrophic. If it doesn't work out, you don't have the time, you can't work, you know, it doesn't fit your timing or it doesn't fit mine. I at least still come away with a plan. And I can hire You're treating him more as an actual employee, actually, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm not hiring to do the work. I'm hiring to help me figure out the work to be done. <laughs> which, is which is part of the work you would do if you were Part of the work employee. I would do if he was an employee, exactly. 
Um, and you can treat contractors that way, by the way. And, and when yeah. I was actually doing um, enterprise sales, a lot of times enterprise salesmen are treated as consultants. In fact, that's yeah. kind of a big part of their job. And so when I was pitching a client, when when they didn't really know what the scope was of the work that they needed to buy from, from Risk Pulse, I would tell them like, look, how about this? For this price, we'll spend a month scoping a one-year project, right? And that always felt good to them because they were like, you know what? I've got a fixed price. I know exactly how much I'm spending. At the end of that, worst case scenario, yeah. I end up with some very strategic collateral, right? Mm. And some very smart suggestions to build into my grand plan. Um, yeah. And then what I got is I got the opportunity to basically get paid to do a proposal, which is what that is, yeah. right? So so that's the stage I met with uh, with him. And um, yeah, I expect to have something pretty soon. It's been super communicative. Just delighted. So, um, so that's been going really well. I think the other thing I wanted to mention on just the manager side is as he's doing that, it kind of dawned on me, you know, um, I think given how much more proficient he is than me, like my days of doing front end development for summit are kind of numbered. <laughs> like it just, it's, it's a misallocation yeah. of resources, right? Like you've outhired yourself. It doesn't make sense unless unless the budget is that constrained like it doesn't make sense to hire me to spend two weeks doing what he can do in a day right yeah or two days um not saying i won't ever do it but i think actually where i want to move to is i would like to move through the designer role and shift okay. to here's the vision for the here's the vision for the solution right to for the product like for the solution to build yeah. i'm no longer going to identify I'd love to no longer identify the problems and solutions with regards to the tech, to the code itself, like the JavaScript, right? And the CSS and the HTML and the templating. Somebody else owns that, but I'm still thinking product management, prioritization, design. Um, those are still within my purview, right? So mm -hmm. I still keep doing those things, but then sort of here's the wireframe, here's what we want to do implement it and i'm not telling you the functions to write and i'm not telling you you know what you know all of that is not me right um because it doesn't yeah. make sense it's not it's not cost effective right so that's where i'm feeling i'm at and where i want to focus my time on instead of this is going back to what we said earlier i'm really going to build out the language for summit and nice set it up to be a platform as opposed to a product. So if I can write this language. Which seems higher leverage than doing front-end development. Isn't it, right? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I really, I have to say, like I'm getting feedback from users who want me to create more templates, right? And I, I can keep doing those in the current, you know, in the current fashion. Um, but that wouldn't be very high leverage, right? It's to create another template that allows you to do something a little bit cooler or better is not nearly a good use of time as let me create this domain specific language, which has the potential to really change, change everything, right? <laughs> like, like yeah. solve for actually make it so that the things that current customers want can be created by other people, other customers, <laughs> other employees, other users, other people. Right. Um, yeah, that's right. It's like maybe if you're if you were launching a Webflow 
competitor, like maybe for your first 10 customers, it would actually be okay for you to like create templates. And then when people are like, hey, I want to like, do you have a yellow template with like I need a triangle sort of header image? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like you would just create those templates. But like eventually you realize you probably want a page builder so people can create their own templates and maybe even a marketplace. Yep. Exactly. That's the direction I want to move. So, you know, I can sit here and keep creating palettes and brushes, um, but I'd rather create a brush creator <laughs> and a palette creator <laughs> and let other people create palette yeah. and brushes and sell those if they want to or just release those. And that has to be done very carefully. You know, building an ecosystem or a marketplace is not done overnight. There's risks to that. But that's what I want to do with Summit. And so I don't, I, I, I got to move on to that. So I, <laughs> I found a really great, um, book actually written by a language engineer and it's um, all about creating domain specific languages oh, and it cool. lays out the different pieces as far as the compiler the interpreter the tokenizer the parser you know the abstract syntax trees which i already have and yeah i'm gonna dig into that and so i don't it, he talks about a month you know is the average amount of time it takes for somebody to really get a v1 done um okay but if i can you know, I think that the onboarding being fixed and this last template that I'm building being as useful as it is, I think that buys me a month or two, maybe six weeks to just focus on the language, right? And if that works, <laughs> the leverage I'm going to get from that, you know, is is 100x, right? It, it, it yeah. doesn't make sense to not try. And actually, this gets into one last thought is that, and I know we're running pretty long here, but like, I'm starting to believe that summit could be or maybe even could have been <laughs> a lifestyle business and i'm not saying it's impossible like the option is there but i'm starting to believe that the the 10x 100x opportunity it doesn't make sense to not try like i really that's where i want to i want to try right mm. and i think that if i start to focus on yeah, okay, I'm going to build that one more template or I'm going to build that one more feature you need or I'm going to keep writing that front-end code. That kind of veers me onto the path of, well, hey, Matt, when are you when are you going to try building yeah. the language? When are you going to do that thing that has the huge payoff? Like, if not now, yeah, later? Why later? <laughs> is later better? Like, is later better when you have more concerns and issues and expenses and it's later and the market's, market's moving, man, you know? So I... I yeah, really f I really don't want to wait to try something big. It's in, you know, it's interesting, and yeah, as you said, I we're running late, but you know, people can just stop listening if they don't want to listen. Yeah, something that's been <laughs> interesting with both both of our products is with Branch, we started with a product that was super uh, focused on one specific use case, and and it turned out it was actually the wrong use case. We thought about the problem the wrong way with the target customers we wanted to go after. And then what we did was we realized that we need something that was like infinitely more configurable and and flexible. And then we kind of like rebuilt the product into something that's extremely flexible. And then we realized that no one knew how to use that. <laughs> so then um, we did a lot of positioning and we found out who we actually wanted this product to be for and then yeah. we like slowly like nailed that use case and we built and like now we're moving back towards like a very you know niche use case or like fixed use case like we're using like for example today like we're thinking about renaming projects to sites which is something we can do because we know that our 
target audience right now, actually for them, a project is a site. That wasn't necessarily true like half a year ago. But so, but we're building like a very niche solution on top of the flexible one so we can easily pivot to another one or like change it. And yeah. it's, it's just so similar to what you're going through as well, but it's just such an interesting journey. Like you start with a super hard-coded MVP, you figure out it's the wrong thing, so you try to make it more flexible, and then you kind of like use the flexible version to nail down the one that actually is the right one, at least for that stage of the business. But then you have the flexible foundation. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like the first one was just there to test interest. You know, um, yeah. are people even interested in this? And, and positioning, actually, yeah. so... I want to work on positioning. The homepage right yeah. now for Summit is literally like one screen full <laughs> and it's like 18 words. People are giving you a hard time on Twitter. It's there so are funny. people burning me about my homepage, but I got 23 signups and one conversion in the last 24 hours. So, <laughs> you know, I think it, in some sense, it just blows people's mind that somebody would hit that homepage and click through. But I think it's a great film. How many letters are on your homepage right now? I, I don't know, man. It's probably let's see, 18, 10, but probably like fifty <laughs> more than twenty-five or something like that. Maybe, maybe forty, okay. maybe, maybe fifty. Actually, <laughs> I know it's eighteen words or so. So, uh, <laughs> actually, if it's only eighteen words, yeah. Anyway, um, so <laughs> I, I want to work on positioning. Actually, I, re I reopened April Dunford's book, um, and here's the thing, though. If I end up building out this language, how different is the positioning going to be? versus if I don't, right? Like, do you just not Depends. include, do you just not include that and, and go with it? Because if you do, I will say I've also had like my ideal customers have had pushback as far as I'm concerned that if I choose your product, I'm going to be stuck, you know, unable to customize it and I'm going to end right back up in Excel, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think honestly, having a positioning that makes it really clear and actually has some some substance behind it that says you will not be stuck with a product that can't be customized. You know, your logic can yeah. go here. That's a big part of the positioning, right? That's yeah, not, everything it's is not a an starting API point add-on. And you right? can customize it. Exactly. And it's not like an API add-on. That's not a feature that you can just mention later. I think it actually is part and parcel with the positioning because the people that get that are going to really, really fall in love with this thing. And so yeah. that that's again, that's also waiting. Um, but yeah, that's where the that's where the manager is. And I think the the arch over all of this is I really believe that the 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 it is right. Like this is it. I'm I'm putting I'm betting it all on this. Like I feel confident in that. Um I'm betting it all that what I've got now is the right start. And so I'm going to double down on that. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But like, this is one of those slide the chips into the middle of the table moments. <laughs> um, <laughs> because I think I'm right. Like, I'm really excited about it. Yeah. I mean, base camp style bet six weeks or something like that. That's right. That's the appetite, you know. Um, yeah. But I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of wind at my back and that feels good. Nice. Awesome, man. Well, I don't know. People can chime in if they like this format or not. Maybe we'll listen. <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome, man. Talk to you later. All right, man. It's good catching up. Bye. Absolutely. Bye. Bye.